following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? This is Talkin' Cowboys. Streaming live from the Dallas Cowboys World Headquarters at the Star in Frisco. Hand off, Elliott plowing to the goal line. Barry sacked by Lord. Prescott keeps it, and he bangs it in for the touchdown. You know, guys, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Uh, it's a behind-the-scenes talking Cowboys secret, and, and we all have a ton of fun here. And we have a little tradition pre-show where we talk about uh, – we, we all ask Isaiah to get us fired up what he does in the morning. And we can't say what his answer is normally <laughs> on air. We can't say that. But, Isaiah, I want you to turn things around, and I want you to ask me what I did this morning. Can you, can you do that for me? Hmm. I, I think I think I mustered that up. Okay, uh, uh, Kyle, what did you do this morning? Well, I woke up with a smile on my face. You know why? Because the Cowboys got a win yesterday, and not only did they get a win, but it gave me an opportunity to go drive down the street to my local Whataburger, and I picked up me a fresh uh. bag of Forty Burger because the Dallas Cowboys <laughs> have the Forty Burger. Of the Mike McCarthy era and the Dallas Cowboys oh my God, got a dub. Oh my God. A 40 burger and a win. 40 to 39. They needed every single point, but they got it. Wow, what a game yesterday. We're talking Cowboys, and that's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to talk some Cowboys. I'm Kyle Yeomans, Heckma Harrison, Rob Phillips, Isaiah Stanback, and guys, it, it, it's. Been a, a, a while now. It's been a couple hours, to say the least, since yesterday's win over the Atlanta Falcons. However, the words still, uh, it really seems like there's really not a ton of words to describe exactly what happened because it was that wild of a game, Rob. Oh, yeah. It's W-U-T. What? 40 <laughs> to 39? Are you kidding me? I mean, I, I was trying to go through last night and think of the games that I've covered or, or seen with the Cowboys that make you go, what the hell did I just see? And, I'm, and I only came up with two in like the last 20 years. You got the Romo game in 07 where he threw five picks at Buffalo and they still found a way to win. And you got the 51-48 game with Romo and Peyton Manning just trading, mm. trading bombs down the field and the Broncos pull it out. Other than that, I don't think I've seen a Cowboy game quite like that. And, man, did they need that because we talked about it during the week. And I think by the end of the week, we were all in agreement. Yeah, that was a must-win football game for your Dallas Cowboys. And now they're 1-1 one and one going to Seattle. We'll get to that later in the week. Ekma, I know you're ready to yeah, explore. Come on, Rob. Let us enjoy this one. <laughs> Go ahead, go ahead, Kyle. I'm not going to interrupt you well, anymore. I, was, I was letting you go. I was saying, Heckma, I know you're ready to explode. Where are you at? I want that energy from Heckma Harrison, man. You know I'm ready. You know I'm ready. You know I'm ready. You know I'm ready, dog. This is crazy. All you cowboy haters, and I know you tune in. I haters tune in, too. I know. Second quarter, y'all's ready. Y'all knew it. First quarter, y'all, oh, my God. Monday morning glory. I'm going to be able to hate on the Cowboys. Oh, this is a dumpster fire. And what do we do? The most improbable victory in Cowboy history. I know, I know Rob, is, he has all the numbers. And I know Isaiah is going to pontificate about this victory. It's going to be eloquent, ladies and gentlemen. But let me tell you something. How Man, Mike Gallup, boy, that's how you catch the football. CeeDee Lamb, 
Thank you so much. I, look, guys, I, I don't know. I don't. Y'all trying to play it too cool. I don't want to play it cool. I'm telling you. And Dak Prescott, hey, boy, what about my quarterback? I know all of y'all thought there for just a little second y'all was going to pile on the Dak Prescott. Hey, oh, but no. What did he do? What did he do? 450 yards, three touchdowns. Come on, dog. Everybody today, if y'all not feeling like this, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, no, I'm not sorry. Come on, Isaiah. It's your turn. Go ahead. Is you finished or is you done? I'm not <laughs> done. Give me another second. I go right there. He's back. not done. He's not done. It's gracious. We need to get him back in studio Listen just up, for man. the soundproofing. Hey. That's what we need to get Echo back for. I, I am going to give a congratulations to all of Cowboy Nation. Um, they took care of business. But the, the question I want to pose today mm. And I know this isn't going to be received well. No, it's not. Did the Cowboys win or did the Falcons lose? And that's the question I want to ask. The Cowboys did everything in their power. They overcame insurmountable uh, 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 things that they had to overcome, right? They had four fumbles in their first, I think was it 10 minutes, I believe it was. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Dak was, gave the ball away. You know, Zeke gave it away a couple times. Pollard gave it away. I mean, guys, yeah. they were just giving gifts away. It was doggone Christmas, right? Uh, yeah. Out here in September. And then they, you know, then they had, um, you know, they had uh, the tackles that they had to overcome, right? It, that wasn't even a problem aside yeah. from that first quarter, right? McKinley got hurt. That was a very key Huge. portion of yeah. this game because had McKinley never got hurt, I think that we would have had some troubles on that edge because he was bringing the fire early on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Remember but, what you said? Remember hey, what you said about if being a fifth, right? Hey, you if, said if that. Absolutely, nah, nah, nah. Absolutely. Don't hey, you start hey, that. Hey, I'm just throwing it out there. But all in all, regardless of all the things that happened, the Cowboys had to show up, and they showed up. They took care of business. They overcame all the adversity that they faced early on, and they got the W. And that's all that matters at the end of the day. There's a whole lot we're going to fill in in terms of the gaps. Kyle, I'm throwing it back to you. Yeah, let's go ahead and throw the gaps. And that was a very anchorish type of, of report there, Isaiah. Thank you for your contributions to the show. But uh, I think whenever it comes throw it back to you. <laughs> when it comes to the Cowboys and the win yesterday, Isaiah is exactly right. It, it wasn't 100% a Cowboys win. It was was just as much a Cal or an Atlanta loss because there were opportunities left on the table for both sides. And the reason it's a memorable win is because of the hole that the Cowboys dug themselves in the first quarter, just not taking care of the football. I mean, we saw uncharacteristic type of stuff. Whenever Ezekiel Elliott fumbles twice in a row in a quarter, it, it, you know it's going to be a rough day holding on to the football. And uh, you saw it later when Dalton Schultz fumbled. You saw it when Tony Pollard fumbled. You, you had that feeling in the first quarter of it being a blowout. And it was at first, 20 to nothing at the end of the oh first quarter. Then the Cowboys locked down after that. And that's really what we're, we're happy about is the fact that you saw what this Dallas Cowboys team can be. You saw the ceiling. That second half, if the Cowboys play like that in the second half consistently – for the rest of the year, you're talking about one of the best teams in the NFL, if not the best team in the NFL, because of how much they were able to stifle Atlanta and then get that offense rolling, which is what we've been waiting on. However, there's a lot to be desired, and there's not that consistency yet. There's a long way to go for the Dallas Cowboys to hit that mark, and that's why we're filling in these holes. But when you look back at yesterday's game, Heckman, you, you kind of look at some of the mistakes that were made early on on the offensive side of the football. What stood out to you the most? Because there were plenty to look at early. All right, so I'll calm down now, Chris <laughs> Bean. All right, so it was so many. I mean, where do you go? I mean, there were so 
the, the fumbles the first quarter, like you said, when Zeke fumbled twice, it, it was like, man, am I in a parallel universe? What's happening? This doesn't happen. And it just, look, man, there was so much blame to go around on both sides of the football. But offensively, we just could not get into any rhythm the first quarter. Miraculously, though, the second, third, fourth, I mean, it seemed to be that our offense started to get that rhythm, the creativity that we've been looking for. Mm -hmm. Dak was on point with a lot of it. Man, there was some sporadic throws, but a lot of his throws, man, he was on point. But you, you're right, Kyle. What what an awful, awful first quarter of football. Hadn't seen any that bad in a very long time. I'm not going to say they had just three turnovers in the first quarter. They had four. Because oh, anytime yeah. you go for a fake punt at your own 29-yard line in the first quarter, mm. that's quite a risk right there. And they, and they just they teed up another field goal for them. They spotted them 20 points. And to Heckma's point, like offensively, you know, you're missing your starting two tackles. And it seemed like early on they were running their offense how they normally would at full strength. Absolutely. To me. They, they, didn't, they didn't come out with adjustments. And I'll tell you – Guys, I'll be honest with you. I'm ready for the K-ball Buffalo Bills like 90s offense right now with the Dallas Cowboys. I'm ready. I'm ready to get just jack the tempo up and keep it that way. And keep it that way because it what like Heckman said it wasn't until after they got down 20 nothing they kind of were forced to go up tempo and I swear every time they do it it seems like it works for them. And and I don't know if it's because it's in desperation and maybe sometimes defenses are kind of playing back, maybe a little prevent, but I, I, they like they like Heckma said they got a rhythm after that and and I think that's that was a huge difference. You look at the halftime stats, they were pretty similar in total in terms of total yards, first downs. They just almost gave the game away in the first first quarter or so. Yeah, to your point, Rob. I mean, just to answer this for all the Cowboys Nation, whenever you go no huddle. It allows for your team to get in a rhythm, mm. right? You're, you're in a rhythm. So you, you practice two-minute drills all the time uh, during the week uh, leading up to the game, and it just puts you in this rhythm of, hey, I don't have to think that much, right? I could just play ball. So you get up, you line up, you run the play, you go. When you get right back on there, you do the same thing. What happens is when you break the huddle and you go line up, now you're doing all these pre-snap reads, you're doing all these pre-snap adjustments, and you're having to you're playing this chess game prior to the ball being snapped, right? And it really takes away from your ability just to go out there and just play ball. Um, so that's why you see this tempo really kind of pick up. And some teams could do it the whole game. Some teams do it just in two minutes. Some teams throw it in there just as a changeup. And obviously the Cowboys, it works for them. Um, overall, as an offense, these guys obviously got out to a bad start. Uh, we talked. I know. I know. I specifically, specifically talked about the defensive coordinator being one of the biggest threats uh, of the game, and I. Think that whatever it is they saw on film in terms of the Cowboys ball security, that defensive coordinator made it a point to practice punching the ball out during practice leading up to this mm -hmm. game because that's all they were doing. They were not concerned about securing tackles. If you go back and watch the film, these dudes were literally freaking Mike Tyson in this thing out of out of, out of Zeke's hands. So uh, those guys were just throwing their bows in there like ludicrous, and they were getting the ball out. <laughs> and and you know. And, and to the, to the defenses, you know, um, well, I know it's not, let's not get on the defense yet, but on the offensive side of the ball, you had somebody who showed up in, in the form of Schultz. Schultz showed mm -hmm. up and he, he took care of business. Um, beyond proud of him, uh, there is, I know there's a lot of speculation in terms of whether he and Bale were going to be able to get the ball, get, get the job done. He's definitely did so. Kudos off to him. And, and he, he said, he said, hey, I had two drops in the opener and I had to do something about it. And we talked about maybe man coverage in this game and he had it i mean yeah. he had some one-on-one -on -one opportunities and he took advantage of it and 
and they went to some quick stuff, you know, they, and, and maybe they had to, but when you got, you're missing your starting two tackles, they got the ball out quicker and, and it, it did, it, it helped them get in a little bit of a rhythm uh, going forward. Nine receptions, a team high for Dalton Schultz, and he also had 88 yards in his first career touchdown reception. It was also the first touchdown that Dak Prescott has ever thrown against the Atlanta Falcons, even though he had rushed for, uh, by the time he threw his first one, he had rushed for four touchdowns against the Falcons. He finally got one through the air and then added another rushing one later on. But I think that's probably one of the biggest things that stood out to me was not only the play calling shift and we're going to talk about the coaching staff and whether or not that it was a good coaching job or a bad coaching job here in the second segment when we come back but really when it comes to the tight ends you don't have Blake Jarwin you're worried about that you're worried about having a receiving threat like Blake Jarwin in the middle and you didn't have that or at least seemingly heading into the week we thought it was going to be the Blake Bell and Dalton Schultz show blocking it wasn't going to be a ton of involvement in the passing game that was not right Dalton Schultz stood up he was in uh, multiple big time key plays down the 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 stretch including the touchdown but Whenever it comes to Dalton Schultz, is that oh, yeah. something that he can be consistent in, Isaiah, moving forward? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I mean, he definitely he showed up. He showed up yesterday, yeah. right? Um, and and that's that's one game that we can credit it to. He showed up and he showed out. Uh, you know, every team presents his own challenges, right? Every team presents his own challenges. Uh, I don't foresee him having any issues uh, this coming week. Uh, against Seattle. I know we're not talking about Seattle yet, but you know, Seattle has some injuries yesterday that's going to play into his favor. Uh, but you know, I, I think that he'll, he'll be okay over these next few weeks. But if you face a team that has a really good defensive end, mm-hmm. that's when that's when things get a little bit tricky. Oh man, you're going to give us our 24 hour rule. Uh, Isaiah, you're going to let us celebrate this. All right. So I- <laughs> let us, let us I said he took you. care of business. He took all right. care of business. All right. The question, Dalton, Dalton Schultz can definitely do it. I was so impressed and so proud of the game that he had yesterday, yeah. especially with all the dirt that was thrown on mm-hmm. him after the, the Rams loss. And also, Belldozer. We had a Belldozer showing yeah. on third down, man. He came up big. Both of those guys blocked, so just superior blocking for both of these guys. But, man, I mean, you got to credit Atlanta's defense for just forgetting about Dalton Schultz and just giving him an opportunity to just run in those windows. And he did a phenomenal job of finding that space and sitting down on that scene. Man, Dalton Schultz, man, what, a, what an amazing play play for him yesterday but man I thought he had a t- I thought he had two touchdowns yesterday on that one where uh Deion Jones blew up Dak Prescott and and the ball went to Dalton Schultz Dalton Schultz I thought he made an athletic move and got into the end zone but they said he was stopped at the one yard line you know I looked at Dave Hellman in the press box at one point and I said you know what I'm never I am never making a judgment off of training camp practice ever again yeah right ever again mm-hmm. because some of this some of the stuff that we saw through two quarters maybe I'm like okay this is not what I saw in practice but Dalton Schultz had a heck of a training camp and I've been kind of waiting for him to have a game like this I thought in the playoff game a couple years ago he did some some good things and they drafted him I know it was the fourth round but they drafted him with kind of Jason Witten in mind like a guy that can kind of do it all potentially and I'm with Isaiah like you got to see it more than one week uh, but he has the talent and I think the overall skill level to be a productive tight end in this league. And, they, man, they really need him to carry it forward after this game. Both Dalton Schultz and Blake Bell, according to Pro Football Focus, were the two of the top four graded players on offense and in blocking yesterday. And the fact that they also made an impact in the yeah. receiving game, I think that's something that could 
carry forward and really make you excited if you're Cowboys fans because you've got the weapons. You've got CeeDee Lamb. You've got Michael Gallup. You've got Amari Cooper. You don't need Dalton Schultz to have nine receptions and 88 yards. Sure, yesterday to get to the 40-burger, you did need that. But you need them to be great blockers. You need them to be efficient on offense, and they were that yesterday, and I think that's the most impressive thing for me moving forward. But we'll be right back here with Talking Cowboys when we return was this a bad coaching job for Mike McCarthy? And where do they improve heading into week three? We'll come back and talk about it more on DallasCowboys.com. Since 1865, Stetson hats are American-made with pride right here in Texas. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Want to show your Texas and team pride, too? You can. By purchasing your own Stetson, you can look just like how the flag guys do on field at every home game. Stetson Hats, the official crown of all self-respecting Cowboys and your favorite football team. Get yours today at shop.dallascowboys.com or at stetson.com. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys, Jack Black? Right now, you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com slash cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB. That's getjackblack.com slash cowboys. The Jack Black Starter, 10 bucks. Free shipping! Essilor is a proud sponsor of the Dallas Cowboys, helping fans see more and do more with our best vision solutions. Our lens technologies reveal a world more beautiful than you can imagine. For a limited time, get the Essilor Next Gen offer. When you buy the latest generation of Transitions lenses with select Essilor lenses, you can choose a second pair of clear lenses for free with qualifying frame purchases. Restrictions apply. Find a participating eye care professional by visiting EssilorUSA.com. Essilor. See more do more. We're back with a tasty treat that's sweeping airwaves and taste buds. It's new Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. Let's take a listen. Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda's here. A new combo that's music to my ears, okay. Let's play. Cream Soda and Dr. Pepper time. Pour it in a glass of ice. Ah, music to my ears and mouth. New Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. To Talkin' Cowboys. It is a victory Monday edition of Talking Cowboys. We're having a ton of fun breaking down the 40-39 to 39 Cowboys win over the Atlanta Falcons. They get back to 500 at 1-1. One one. Glad you're with us here on DallasCowboys.com. And guys, when it comes to yesterday's game, sure, there's excitement. And we're having fun. And there's 40 burgers flying around the table. We all took a collective bite out of our 40 burger and sure it tastes great 24 hours right after that win and it tastes just as good as it did fresh off the stove however we've got to break this down because there were things <laughs> left on the table for the Dallas Cowboys yesterday and I want to I want to pose a question to you I and I, I've watched it the game back twice now I need to watch it more because I haven't really come up with a great discussion and maybe it's just because it is 50 50 but was this a good coaching job for Mike McCarthy and his staff or was this a, a, a poor coaching job by Mike McCarthy and his staff that ultimately ended up in the Cowboys just making the plays they needed to do from a player standpoint down the stretch? And, Rob, I, I know you, you probably have a good beat on this, so we'll start with you. Wh- which one is it, good or bad? I don't know if you can say it's bad. I mean, when you when you fall back that, that quickly, I mm-hmm. mean, when you dig that deep a hole, 
I, I don't know if it's all on the coaches. I mean, some of that is on, on players not making plays. I think you definitely can question, uh, like I mentioned in the first quarter, the way they approached offensively early, you know, they could have moved the pocket. They could have done something to help Dak early that would have prevented some of those mistakes, I think. Um, and then, you know, we can get into some of the questions. You know, they had a couple fake punts. And the big one that everybody's talking about that I think we probably would have led the show off with if they had lost the game was the decision to go for two uh, with, what, nine minutes left in the fourth quarter when you're down, I think, nine points. And so... I mean, if they'd lost the game, it would have been two straight weeks of what is Mike McCarthy thinking here? And I don't know how you guys feel, but I think it, it comes down to whether you embrace analytics or not, because what his clear answer afterwards was, I want to know, I want to get that out of the way and then know what I have to do late in the game to try to tie the game up. I don't know. I, I'm of the opinion that you try to extend the game as long as you possibly can mm-hmm. and don't put yourself in that bind potentially right away. That's just me. But um I'm not necessarily a huge analytics guy, or at least not in that situation. Isaiah? Go ahead, Isaiah. <laughs> well, my good comrade Rob over there already has touched on the, the decisions that I'm going to address, um, one of which, uh, there, I guess there's really three decisions. There's obviously way more than that, but there's three primaries right? that Rob just touched on. It was the fake punt. Right, the first fake punt where the the our punter had didn't have enough arm to get the ball to the, to the gunner, um, which I think was a very bold play, uh, but I think that it was a a well scripted play and a well schemed play. They just didn't execute it, mm-hmm. right? So uh, I, I give them that one. Yes, I like that call. It is very bold. Um, it's very risky. But I like the call because in all my years of playing, I played six years of professional football, four four years or four, I guess five years of, of college football. I've never seen that play. So that was awesome. They just needed to throw the ball and they needed to catch it. And it would have been a first down. And everybody would have been like, oh, Fossil, you're awesome. All right, but they weren't. Okay, so <laughs> that one I agree with. I like that call. Now, as we go to the fake punt with the run, no. I don't, I don't like it. I think, if I remember correctly, I think we needed five yards uh, or three, yeah. three, no, yeah, five or three he yards. Got, one or two. He got, he got three yards. Thompson. Yeah. yeah. He needed so five, you, though. so you, so you snap, so you, yeah, so you snap the ball back three yards to your personal protector, so he can run eight yards in order to get the five he needed. Hmm. I don't like that call, right? I don't like that call because you, you, you literally go backwards to try to go forward for more yardage than you actually need it for the first down. So I don't like that at all. And then, uh, Rob, you already touched on the the his decision to in the fourth quarter with five minutes left to go for two. I really don't like that call. I was I was watching the game with Kyle, and, and I, I was in total disarray. I didn't understand. I was in total disarray because why would you put your, your team in a situation where they now have to score twice possibly mm-hmm. instead right. of only having to score once? And I think everybody's in agreement with that. I was not. I did not. I uh, didn't like that call whatsoever. I think he put himself and his team, especially his defense, in some very peculiar uh, positions. And luckily, it turned out. But yeah, it very easily we could have been sitting here talking about how how he just screwed the team. Mm-hmm. Isaiah, I think the word you want to use is ballsy. It was <laughs> ballsy, coach. He said it. And he said it. I, just, not- I mean, how do you walk with those things, coach? <laughs> because that is man. What, what? so. The fourth, the, the, the go for two, right? Let's go start there. It's not that I don't like, the, look, the play itself. I, I thought I, Ezekiel Elliott was doing in between the tackles and then you, a toss play on the goal line, it gives Atlanta's smallish defense an, an opportunity to catch uh, Zeke. 
on the outside there. I just didn't like it. I didn't like the play. Um, the, whatever the analytics show for running that, I guess in all the times that you've seen, watched football, you hadn't seen a coach do that, especially knowing that now you need nine points and there are no nine-point plays mm-hmm. uh, in football. And then you would need an onside kick. And, oh, yeah, as David Hellman pointed out, the percentages for onside kicks is not that good. Uh, so I credit Bones Fossil on that. But at the same time, they couldn't have known that that was actually going to happen. Uh, but then the the fourth and the fourth and five. The only thing about that is, is guys, look, put your if you're gonna go for it like that, put the, your offense back on the field. Use and your I think offense. That's what every, I agree. Yeah. Every, put those guys back out there. That's the safest bet. I just didn't like that play. But at the same time, you're getting your doors blown off. You're looking to change the momentum in the game some kind of way. And Chris Jones on the first. You got the look. It was perfect. Mm -hmm. Come on, dog. Just throw the ball out. (laughs) It's a little bit of air on that thing. A little bit. And C.J. Good. Hey, C.J. made up for every mistake he made by getting that onside kick. I'm telling you, he he could do no wrong in the DFW Metroplex because, Mm -hmm. man, that onside kick recovery was amazing. And Greg the leg. That onside kick was like a spindle top. I mean, I never seen anything like that. I never seen anybody do an onside kick, kicking the ball from off of the turf like that, but perfect. They set it up perfect. And thank you, all of the Atlanta Hawks guys, I mean, Falcons guys that just watched the ball. Yes. Thank you. So I appreciate so that. I watched Dan <laughs> Quinn's post game press conference with Atlanta just to see the explanation on that, right? Because CJ Goodwin told Nick after the game, like, I just knew we were going to get it because nobody's ever seen an onside kick like that. It looked like a it looked like a putt. Yeah. Looked like a golf putt mm-hmm. instead of an actual bat. And actually what Dan Quinn said, and I don't know about this explanation, but what he, he said, Oh, our our guys know the rules. They know that you can grab it before <laughs> 10 yards, but the front three on the hands team are taught, usually when it's a high bouncer, to block first mm-hmm. and let it go to the second level and then go get it. But you <laughs> Forget your assignment. If the ball is right there, go nah, pick it Rob, up. I, I, I just couldn't believe that. Rob, Rob, let me let me let me clear this up so that everybody out there understands. Because I've been on many many hands teams. Okay, All right. Let's go. You're, if you're on the front, if, yeah, if you're on the front line of the hands team, number one, you have some cojones, huh? You got some cojones. Okay. All right. So so if you're on the front line, that means that you're a dog, right? You are the first line of defense. You have two jobs, right? Two jobs. You either are going to if, if, old school, right? When the guys can run up, right? It was a big time collision. Those guys are coming at you. Your job is to protect the guy behind you, which is usually the best hands on your team. Oh, by the way, it just happened to be Julio Jones behind that gentleman yesterday. And number 17 is the culprit I'm talking about specifically. All right, so number 17 and his crew are up there in the front line. You either are going and you're taking the head off, right? Excuse me, it was football. But you're taking the head off of the gentlemen that are coming at you, right, on the kickoff team. Or you are simply jumping on the ball like it's a grenade, okay? You are just taking the grenade and Mm -hmm. you are putting your back to the kickoff team so that your rest of your team could then jump on tile on top of you and pile on top of you so that nobody can strip the ball from you underneath the pile. Those None are your two, those are your two jobs. Actually, there's like a two and a half point job. If the, if the ball came hot, your job is to let the ball go past you. Let it get to your guy, Julio, and then you go make contact. He, that gentleman did none of his assignments. And I'll be surprised if he still has a job today. 
Well, and also you look at really Atlanta and the situation that they had going into it. They had called a timeout previously. They had called a timeout going into that onside kick. They had time to think about this. They had time to see it. And it's also not the first time. It's the first time that Greg Zerline has made the kick like that. And they called it the watermelon kick where you lay it flat on the ground and then you hit one side of it. So that way it curls around. And I've heard the the curling reference where it looks like the Olympics and you're, you're sitting there with the brooms and stuff. What it really reminded me of was yeah. <laughs> uh, was an on or not an onside kick, but uh, when it, you lay down a bunt in baseball and it's down the third base line, you lay that bunt down yeah. and the third baseman's crashing in, but he knows it's not going to have a play at first when he can pick you it mesmerize. up. You mesmerize. You mesmerize yeah. by yeah. it because you're waiting for it to go foul. But instead, it stays right there on the line, and then it's an infield base hit, a bunt base hit for whoever the batter was that laid it down. That's what it reminded me of. Maybe they were waiting for it to go 10 yards, and maybe they were just so stunned by it sitting there. No, Maybe they didn't know the rules. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying they don't know the rules. They were stirred. And by the way, it was Zacchaeus, number 17, just so you know. Yeah, call him out. Call him out. They, they were scared. Okay, not scared. He was scared. All right. And what he what he was scared of was he was scared. He was not confident in the fact that he can hop on the ball and he can actually secure it. He was afraid mm-hmm. that if he had he gone for the ball, the ball was squirt out onto the, to the Cowboys side and that they would recover it. Well, guess what, buddy? You did none of it and they still recovered it. Dude, I was cracking. I was cracking up writing that story last night because I'm, I'm I'm doing my research like about the rules changes about the onside kicks two years ago, and every damn headline I read was onside kicks impossible now. No way you can get an onside kick no recovery way. anymore. And I I mean they they pulled it off. Give credit to we talked about coaching. Give credit to John Fossil and Greg Fossil, Zerline because yeah. mm-hmm. that that is a style of onside kick that they kind of experimented with when they were at LA together. Mm-hmm. And they've never used it in a game. They practice it a little bit, and I'll be I'll be damned. It they, worked out. They didn't Kyle, use it. What did from you call a, that? What did you call it that? Was, they call it the watermelon kick because it's a flat watermelon. You just watermelon kick it and kick. let it curl. And by no the way, key. it's it was yeah. it wasn't the first it, or it was the first time that Zerline had tried to attempt that kick. But when they were in LA, the punter actually did that one time. Against the Cowboys oh, back in 2018 wow. or 2017, one of those two years, they've showed it against the Cowboys before. I, it didn't work out. It ended up going out of bounds, but it, it ultimately didn't work out. This time it did, and thank goodness it did because it was a fantastic play, and it's one that won't be forgotten anytime soon for the Dallas Cowboys as they win it 40 to 39. When we come back, let's talk about the defensive side of the football. That pre- pass rush left a lot to be desired. We're going to talk about how they can get more pressure on opposing quarterbacks because that is legal in the NFL. And we'll talk about it next when we come back on Talking Cowboys. I'm Jay Novacek, former tight end for the Dallas Cowboys. Back in the day, I was the guy who always got the tough yards, and that's why I run with John Deere today. In fact, I have a John Deere 3025E tractor that can handle any yard work I need to do, even the tough yards way out back. So if you have one acre or a thousand, John Deere has the equipment that's just right for you. Visit a John Deere dealer today and run with us. We are the official tractor provider of your Dallas Cowboys. Essilor is a proud sponsor of the Dallas Cowboys, helping fans see more and do more with our best vision solutions. Our lens technologies reveal a world more beautiful than you can imagine. For a limited time, get the Essilor Next Gen offer. When you buy the latest generation of Transitions lenses with select Essilor lenses, you can choose a second pair of clear lenses for free with qualifying frame purchases. Restrictions apply. Find a participating eye care professional by visiting EssilorUSA.com. Essilor. See more. Do more. 
We're back with a tasty treat that's sweeping airwaves and taste buds. It's new Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. Let's take a listen. Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda's here. A new combo that's music to my ears, okay. Let's play. Cream Soda and Dr. Pepper time. Pour it in a glass of ice. Ah, music to my ears and mouth. New Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. A delicious duet. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys, Jack Black? Right now, you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com slash cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB. That's getjackblack.com slash cowboys. The Jack Black Starter, 10 bucks, free shipping. Back to Talking Cowboys. It's the final segment of Talking Cowboys on a victory Monday following the Cowboys' first win of the Mike McCarthy era, 40 to 39. The Cowboys get the win over the Atlanta Falcons. We've got our resident Super Bowl champion, Isaiah Stanback, our Cowboys insider, Rob Phillips, and Heck Harrison with you. As always, I'm Kyle Yeomans. And uh, man, the, the defense. They spotted 20 points because of the offense in that first quarter, and it was really kind of – they were on the field all quarter long. They, they just didn't get a chance to get a break. You're going up against one of the top offenses in the entire NFL, but there were still plenty of things that the Cowboys' defense didn't necessarily do right yesterday. And there's a reason why there were 39 points up on the board, but whenever they needed to make plays down the stretch, they did so. But, Heckman, when you look at this defense – What's the biggest thing that stood out to you that needs improvement moving forward based off of what we saw yesterday? My God, we have to generate some type of pass rush. Mm-hmm. That's just got to happen. Uh, we didn't get a lot of pressure. We didn't get any. Uh, I, I don't believe we even had a sack until the until second the fourth half. quarter. And so to the fourth quarter. So Matt Ryan was very comfortable. We didn't throw him off his square at all. Uh, But I think we discovered that we have a middle linebacker and Joe Thomas, who had an exceptional game. I mean, I know we could talk about the faults in it, but man, I thought 48 played pretty doggone good uh, out there. But we have to generate, we have to generate some type of pass rush. Tristan Hill, again, showed flashes uh, in this game where he could be dominant. I think he, he pretty much on the third and nine blew up a play uh, for us, man. And, and just overall, I think the, the one part of our defense that we thought that we were going to get together, the defensive line, it just hadn't been there yet. We've seen flashes, but they haven't put a complete uh, game together yet. And to Isaiah's, <laughs> Isaiah's credit, Trayvon Diggs by himself on Julio. My God, there was a point <laughs> where you just had to cover your eyes Once. and just say, oh, my God, Once. rookie. <laughs> oh, God, rookie, please, no. Uh, but just on that pass, pass from Gage, I mean, it's just the football gods. You'll probably never see Julio <laughs> drop a pass like that mm-hmm. that hits him right in the hands ever again. Uh, um, yeah, so <laughs> on the defense, before, before I go in, Listen up, everybody, kudos to the defense because uh, Cowboys Nation, in case you guys didn't know, as much as you guys want to talk about Dak Prescott throwing the ball for 450 yards, as much as you want to talk about CeeDee Lamb catching it for over 100 and Cooper over 100 and Schultz and Schultz almost getting 100. You almost had three, you know, three receivers, um, you know, slash tight ends uh, get over 100 yards. Great job offense. But the reason why you guys were in position to do that is because your defense kept you 
in this game. They were put into some terrible situations early on versus a very formidable offense, a very formidable formidable offense that has a ton of weapons. So this defense allowed for Dallas to get back in the game. Yes, there was 39 points, but shoot, they had the ball on the or the, the 30 yard line going in three times in the first dog on a quarter. So what yep. do you expect, <laughs> right? So as much as people want to trash the defense, and yes, there are some things that need to be trashed about the defense. These guys gave the Cowboys an opportunity to win the ball game. So kudos to the defense. Now, now we get to the details. Diggs, I told y'all early in the week, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't put this. There's trial by fire and there's trial by death. And had Julio Jones not been nursing a hammy injury that it was a very apparent during the game, mm-hmm. right? Not making any excuses, but that was not 100% Julio. No. And he was trying to tough it out because he knew how important that game was to his team as well. So he was really trying to push through, but Julio wasn't 100%. Julio dropped what what we all see as is as 100% Julio catches, right? He doesn't drop those kind of passes, right? They they schemed it up. Diggs got burnt at the line of scrimmage a number of times, right? I know the one that we always talk about is the one with Julio, but he got destroyed at least four times that I saw he, where he tried to get a jam on the line of scrimmage, and these guys literally just ran by him. So he has to get better, and he will get better. He's young, and he was playing against some vets. Not only did they have Julio, freaking really went ham. And when I talk about this receiving core that we, that those guys that they just faced – Ridley is a dog. Let's not he's let's a, not yeah, disrespect him. Yeah. He's a freaking dog now. I mean, he's fast, he's quick, he's savvy, his routes are impeccable. So we don't have the defensive secondary to match up against those guys man for man. And when they had to face each other man for man, it exposed the crap out of them, right? So all in all, the defensive second the, the secondary has to improve upon their technique to be able to handle receivers like this because Going into next week, it doesn't get easier. Okay, so it's, it's not going to get easier every week. You're going to face a number one receiver every single week. So we have to figure that out. And to you guys' point, the defensive line, oh, my goodness, we have to figure it out, right? We have to figure it out. They, gotta, they, they have to get some kind of pressure because you're not going to be able to sit back and allow these quarterbacks in this league to sit back there and throw the ball. Yep. And Joe Thomas, that's, hey, that's the heart of your defense right now. Whether you guys want to believe it or not, Joe Thomas is the heart of your defense. He has been the most consistent player over these first two weeks. He is bringing the fire. He's popping people in their mouth. And he's walking around like, guess what? This is what I do every play. He's not, he's not excited about all the plays. He's confident. He's doing his assignments. Y'all need to pay attention to that dude. Yeah, I wrote, I wrote down Joe Thomas, Brandon Knight, and Dalton Schultz. You talk about next man up. The guys they needed to step up, I thought, did a pretty good job. And, and Joe, for sure. Uh, you guys hit on the pass rush. I mean, I think they had, I think they had six plays, explosive pass plays down the field, over 20 yards. I think the Cowboys had seven. Uh, but Matt Ryan had too much time to set his feet and, and survey the field and make his reads for a lot of the game. Now, there were, there were moments where the defense rose up and made plays. I mean, forcing him to throw the ball away before their final field goal uh, I think it was Everson Griffin and Alden Smith. That, in a way, that helped save the game right yeah, there. So they did make some plays, but they they they've got to be you know more productive with the pass rush. And it was you know it's concerning to see Demarcus Lawrence limited with his snaps in the second half. He barely played in the second half. He he had a knee injury early in the game, first half. Kept playing through it. Went to the medical tent at one point in the second half, and I think I only saw him for a couple plays after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he went back out. So you need to be full strength there. Uh, to your guys' point about Diggs, 
it looked like Matt Ryan was looking for him on, on a lot of occasions, you know, with Calvin Ridley, with Russell Gage, not even just Julio. Uh, but he also came back and made some plays, and he's going to be better. But I think they just – it does start up front, and I, the pressure probably they're going to look back and say we needed to be more productive in that regard first. Also, Rob, there's a ton of missed assignments early on. Yes, there were. And that, that led to, like, Hurst's easy touchdown, right? So those things, got they have to be sheared up as well. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go ahead and assume that they're still getting used to, to uh, Nola, you know, Ryan's uh, defense. Uh, so those guys got to figure that out, too, because you can't give up those easy plays. You just can't put yourself in those situations. Yeah, you look at some of the grades on, on Pro Football Focus, and I'm looking down at it right now, but Joe Thomas was the best – uh, defender who played more than three snaps. Actually, Bradley and I was the highest graded one. But uh, but Joe Thomas, of course, playing 75 snaps yesterday. Demarcus Lawrence only played for 28, and he played well. He had good, or he at least uh, grade wise had solid pass rush and tackling throughout the the course of the game. But uh, whenever it comes to, to not having Demarcus Lawrence, and, and Rob, I'm not sure if you've heard any updates here. It's so tough getting these COVID injury updates because of the lack of access to these teams. But have you heard anything about Demarcus Lawrence? And if he is not good to go moving forward, at least you have some depth at the, that position, right? Well, I think to me it was encouraging that he was on the field and, mm-hmm. and did a little bit in the second half. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just know they're going to take a look at it today and see how he's doing. Uh, same with Cheeto, by the way. I think he hurt a hamstring uh, on a punt block attempt, I think, in the fourth quarter, and he didn't come back. So now you're looking at your secondary, too. You just got Jordan Lewis back, but you got Anthony Brown on IR for three games. So you hope Cheeto can make it back this week and be fine. Um, but, yeah, that, the injuries are ridiculous. And, yeah. and really All across the, the league, league man. Yep. A lot of top guys went yeah, down yesterday. Really unfortunate, but um, – Hopefully with the Cowboys, you came out of it relatively okay and, and not hey, a lot worse than you were before. Yeah. Hey, Rob, let me ask you, man. And, and, and that's not – before a lot starts to be made of this as far as uh, Tank and just him changing his stance from, you know, yes. hand in the ground to mm-hmm. a bicycle uh, stance and just saying that that may, that may change his game a little bit because we know Tank has been a guy that's had his, his hand – uh, in the ground, how much credence do you give to that move with Tank now going, adjusting his game, going to a bicycle stance in Nolan's defense? That's a great question. I, I, you know, I saw John Owning, who I really like his work with the Morning News. He he's said fantastic. that, that two-point stance is something he's got to continue to work on. So I, I don't know, Isaiah. Do you see a difference with it in the way? Is it affecting his play at all? I don't know if, it's, if that's what's, a, what's attesting to his, his play right now. Um, I do know it is a change for somebody who hasn't been in that position before to stand up now and come off of that uh, off of that stance. No different than it is for you know a youngster to, to go for, you know when they're running track from a stand up you know from two point stance to all of a sudden getting into blocks. It's different, right? You have to you have to get accustomed to it. So um, it's something that that he can learn. He's a professional. <laughs> he's he's a top one percent of the one percent. <laughs> he will figure it out. Um, and, and if he doesn't figure it out, I'm sure that paycheck will remind him to figure it out. <laughs> yeah, and I think whenever it comes to Demarcus Lawrence, it hasn't necessarily just been the two-point stance. He's not necessarily seen the same kind of dominant success that he had earlier in his career, at least a couple years ago prior to the contract. I still think he's the same player. I just don't necessarily know when we're going to see that same kind of production and that same kind of oomph from Demarcus Lawrence, and hopefully it comes soon because that pass rush absolutely needs it. But that's going to do it here for Talking Cowboys. Our first victory Monday of the 2020 season. We'll be back tomorrow, 930 
a.m. Central Time. It's fans on the 50-day. Bring your fan questions. Get them riled up. Good, bad, ugly. Let's do it. Let's answer those questions. We'll break down the Cowboys as we start looking ahead to Seattle week and the Seahawks on the horizon as a trip up to the great Northwest is on the horizon. But as for today... For Heckma Harrison, for Rob Phillips, for Isaiah Stanback, I'm Kyle Yeomans. Special thanks to Chris Beam in the back. We'll see you tomorrow here on Talking Cowboys. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!